Section 7 of Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 4, November 25, 1879. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 4, November 25, 1879. The Story of a Parrot. Continued from Number 3, Page 23. I soon heard the sound of voices, and in a moment my mistress with the children entered the room. I greeted them with screams and laughter, while the whole party stopped in astonishment at the wrecked condition of the pretty sitting-room. "'Oh, Laredo, you bad, bad boy,' said Louis, shaking his finger at me. "'Ooh, ooh, ooh, bad boy, bad boy!' I screamed, to the great delight of the children, who forgot in an instant the mischief I had done, and began to laugh heartily. Seeing my advantage, I kept up a constant rattle of all the ridiculous nonsense I knew. The wine was still dancing in my head, and I made a very sorrowful exhibition of myself. The children's mother soon discovered the empty bowl lying tipped over on the hearth. "'Poor Lorito is drunk,' she said, laughing. "'He swallowed every drop of the wine. "'We must not blame him for his naughty actions. "'He's only a bird, and has not enough sense to let wine alone.' She then began to lament the loss of my beauty. I was indeed a frightful object, and when I heard my mistress declare that if I could not be cleaned I must be turned out of the house, my terror at the thought of losing what I had begun to realize was a comfortable home brought me to my sober senses at once. I hung my head and was silent. For the first time in my life I was mortified and ashamed of myself. It was now decided to try water on my feathers and Louis, putting me on his shoulder, carried me to the bathroom. I did feel the greatest inclination to bite his ear, but I contented myself by gently pulling his hair, which made him laugh. It was a great luxury to get into the bathtub, for no one had even given me water to wet my feet for a very long time. And although parrots do not care to get in the tub every morning and flutter and spatter like canaries, still they like to wet their feet and above all things they enjoy a gentle shower bath like a summer rain i cannot say the bath the children gave me was what i would have chosen myself for they rubbed me and scrubbed me and tumbled me about till i was half dead at last it was over the ink stains had nearly disappeared from my feathers but i was cold and miserable then too i had proved myself such a destructive personage when free that my feet were chained once more and although my mistress had kindly covered the rings I wore round my ankles with soft flannel, the chain was still a dreadful burden. When I was at last left alone on my perch, I gave way to the most sorrowful meditations. Still, all my present happiness dates from that troublesome time. The children were with me constantly, and their kind treatment completely cured me of my ugly, malicious temper. I then became acquainted with my dear friend Fritz, in whose company I have spent many happy hours. In order to talk with him, I was compelled to learn his language, and soon I could bark so well that little Hope would clap her hands and say, Our Rito makes a better doggy than Fritz himself. Often, when I sat on my perch, Fritz would lie on the carpet near me, and we would hold long conversations together. He, too, had met with disappointments in life and we consoled each other. We shared constantly the good things given us, 
and I soon discovered that Fritz adored sugar. As there were always some pieces in my feed dish, I kept them for him, and many a frolic we have had, for I never could help tantalizing him by holding the tempting morsel higher than he could jump. I have had some nice friends in the garden, for in warm weather I was often carried out and placed on the branch of a tree, where I had the companionship of butterflies and bees and many kinds of birds. Although they were neither so large nor so beautiful in color as those I knew in my childhood on the banks of the Congo, still I found them excellent company. I would have been perfectly happy in the garden had it not been for the chain which fastened me to the branch. But experience had made me wiser than formerly, and I had learned not to expect perfect happiness, so I wore my chain patiently. My feed dish was fastened at my side, and as it was always well filled with sugar, birdseed, and other dainties, I often offered some to my new friends. But so awed were they by my size and grand appearance that they feared to approach me, although they would sit on a neighboring branch and talk to me by the hour. Suddenly an idea occurred to me, which I at once put into practice. Springing from my branch, I hung in the air by my chain, which was not only healthy exercise, but left my feed dish free for my guests. They came in crowds, the sparrows, of course, hundreds of them, and also robins and finches. So often was this repeated that, to the great surprise of the children, my feed dish was emptied several times every day. Mama, I heard Carrie say once when they were all in the garden together, Rito eats like an ogre. I'm afraid he'll kill himself. The fresh air makes him hungry, said Louis, who always had a wise reason for everything. The day you went to Grandpa's and played in the hay meadow, you ate like an ogre, too. I heard Grandma say so. Yes, I did eat all the jumbles in Grandma's tin cake box, said Carrie. But that was only once, and every day Nurse has to fill Rito's feed dish seven or eight times. He eats enough for ten Ritos. Oh, Mama, look at him, screamed Little Hope, who at that moment spied me indulging in my favorite exercise, swinging back and forth on my chain. The children and their mother ran toward me, while I, with one of my loud laughs, which I've heard some people say was a very wicked laugh, I don't think so, skillfully swung myself back to my branch, frightening as I did it a crowd of my feathered friends who were gathered about my feed dish. The children's mother saw them fly away. Look, she cried, there go the ogres. It's those thieving sparrows who eat so much, and not Lorito himself. Now the sparrows may be too bold sometimes, but I do not think they are thieves, and it made me very angry to hear them called such a bad name. I screamed and struck my wings together so violently that I slipped from the branch and was again swinging in the air by my chain. Mama, Rita will break his legs and then we shall have to kill him, screamed Louis in alarm. Take off his chain, oh, Mama, do, said kind-hearted Carrie, while little Hope pleaded in her sweet voice. Poor Rito will be good, Mama. He won't bite things any more. You cannot imagine how eagerly I listened to the discussion, for to be free from my chain was now my sole ambition. My heart was touched by the affection of the children, and when, to my intense delight, their mother yielded to their entreaties, I made a firm resolve that I would never bite and tear things again, unless by good luck I could find an old newspaper or a worthless stick, because I knew if I could not use my beak occasionally, 
it would ache as bad as Carrie's tooth does some nights when she goes crying to bed. Since that time, my life has been very peaceful. I am free as air. My wings have recovered their strength, and I go wherever I please. Whenever my little master Lewis whistles for me, I answer him at once, for I have learned to whistle as well as he, and I always go as fast as I can to perch upon his hand. When night comes and it grows dark, I go into my cage myself, and my good friend Fritz always sleeps near me. I have not forgotten my dear papa and mamma, nor my brother and sister, and I often wonder if they are still living in the beautiful hollow tree by the Congo. But I have learned to love new things, and to remember my childhood as a sweet dream instead of a lost and longed-for reality. The gray parrot gave a little soft laugh and was silent. I declare, said the canary, who had listened very attentively, you have seen a lot of trouble. But why such a quiet, gentlemanly bird as you should have such a passion to bite and tear things, I can't imagine. Now my family... But what the canary had to tell will always be a mystery, for at that moment the door opened and in came Papa and Mama from the party. Oh, Fritz, you naughty dog, said Mama, when she saw her pretty afghan lying in a heap on the floor. But when she lifted it to put it back on the lounge, she found Louis, still hugging his bow and arrow. Carrie, Hope, the white kitty, and Fritz all curled up in a little warm bunch, sound asleep. At that moment, Nurse, who had just returned from her party, too, came running downstairs in great alarm. "'Sure, ma'am, the children ain't in their beds at all,' she began, but stopped in astonishment when she saw her little charges sitting on the rug, rubbing their fists into their sleepy eyes. "'They did talk,' said Louis, as soon as he was wide awake enough to speak. "'Lorito told us all about his brother and sister and everybody.' "'Yes, Mama, and he's so sorry he tipped over the ink,' said Carrie. "'Good Rito loves me,' said Little Hope. "'He wouldn't bite me for anything.' And she hugged her white kitty and went fast asleep, with her little head on Mama's shoulder, while Mama laughed merrily at the children's wonderful dream. The gray parrot did not say a word. He sat very quiet in his cage, his head buried in his feathers, and his eyes shut tight. But if, as Mama said, the children had been dreaming, it was very funny indeed that they all three dreamed exactly the same thing. The End End of Section 7